day to you on the network. Glad to be here. Bill Michaels show. Getting underway on this Thursday. We've got a fantasy football Thursday today. The charge is going to be with us. Always look forward to that coming up uh, a couple of hours from now, as a matter of fact. We'll touch base with Paul Charchian. And uh, what, what else do we have coming up today? We got, uh, we got Matt LaFleur from yesterday. We got Jordan Love from yesterday. We're going to hear some more from inside the Packers locker room today. Uh, what else do we have today? We got a lot of Packers audio. We got Charch, and uh, I'm working to get someone to talk about this Jackson Churio extension because we got to break that down today, too. Okay, okay. I wanted to make sure we, uh, we – I, I covered everybody that was already booked, so I just we had to make sure that I had it. I didn't want to miss anybody. I didn't want to leave anybody out. Uh, here's one thing for you. The Packers bandwagon, the shocks on that thing, they're starting to go – because now you have got uh, – I was watching uh, – I had it on in the background today. I had some get-up on on ESPN, and uh, even though Kimberly Martin was on and I can't stand her because all she does is cackle, giggle, and try to take over the show. However, did you see Harry Douglas has picked the Green Bay Packers to win this Sunday night? Did you happen to see that at all today, Grant? The bandwagon is starting to uh, starting to fill up. Harry Douglas? becoming believers. Harry, Harry Douglas? Douglas former, uh, former player. Uh, he sits in with... Oh, he sits in with uh, Dan Orlovsky was there this morning. I can't remember who else was there. Oh, that um, guy. Yeah, because I, I, yeah. I'll throw get up on in the morning. I didn't know that was his yeah. name. That's my bad. Harry, There's Harry Douglas and a couple others, and they were picking the upset of the weekend. And the upset of the weekend they are choosing is the Packers over the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I, which, hey, I hope it happens. I hope it happens. But I, I don't know if it will, but. All of a sudden, I'm like, "Wow! Here comes the uh, here comes the bandwagon! Holy mackerel! Bandwagon's loading up!" So people are starting to jump on this uh, this Green Bay Packers this Green Bay Packers team now. So there you go. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. We'd love to hear from you. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was uh, it was it was interesting because they feel like the Packers are now trending in the right direction, and that the Packers have something going on. So I'm I'm like, hey, uh, let's if if it happens, it happens. We'll we'll, we'll take it, right? Um, the let's see here. Um, I am uh, I'm just perusing one of my notes this morning. So they were talking about the, the Packers and the way to get in there, and, and most people believe that it is going to be a nine-win team that's going to find its way into the NFC postseason. There could be some tiebreakers and battles involved, but beyond that, uh, do, here's the other question. If the Packers get to 10 wins, it's they're in. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They're in. So my question is, because you can only afford one loss, what would that lo- if the Packers win on Sunday, what would the loss be? It would probably be a game they're not supposed to lose, obviously. But what would the loss be? So I uh, ten wins, I think, is far fetched. I don't think this team has it in them. But now this goes back to: what, could, do we dare say, Grant? Do we whisper, uh, you know, verbiage from the past and say, "Run the table, run the table." Do we go there. Run the table. Uh, anything could happen when you're not mathematically eliminated. Look, you you mentioned if they have one loss, who would it be? You know right. what I would love? You know what would be perfect? And I was thinking about that before I went to bed last night. I want them to lose to the Panthers. And I know the Panthers are awful, but maybe that would take the Panthers out of the number one pick, which would screw the Bears. Maybe that slides the Patriots up. So that's that's what I'm thinking. If there's got to be a loss somewhere, I want it to impact the Bears and their draft stock. So I want it to be to the, to the lowly, terrible Panthers. Yeah. 
I, I'm man, it's uh, yeah, I'd love to see it. Which might be I, hard because the Panthers are probably the worst team remaining on the Packers. Schedule. Right. Yeah. I. I. Mm. I'd love to see the Packers be able to run the table. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't know how. That's that's that's. <laughs> I I just don't I don't see we have not seen enough consistency for this team to to do that in my opinion. Um, a couple of weeks of trending upward doesn't necessarily make a season. It, it's certainly trending in the right direction, don't get me wrong. But it doesn't do enough to make this season. And I want to see what they can do. I mean, if they play really well against Kansas City, there's, there's, look, we, we talked a lot about it yesterday. There's a lot riding on Sunday night. And I know some people say, well, like what's really riding on Sunday night? Some people want to see him continue to lose and get a higher draft choice. Other people want to see him continue to win, get into the postseason. Um, you, you're, you're kind of a team at this point. I'm not going to say playing with house money, but you're approaching that seven, eight win mark that you could probably get to. It's, it's, it's attainable, which is not a bad season. It's a growth season. It depends on the eyeball test and how you get from point A to point B. But I, there's quite a bit. I think there's, there's an anticipation in, in, in Sunday night of dare we look over that fence. Do we look over to the fence where the big boys play and say, yeah, the Packers can now compete there? Or do we look over that and go, oh, boy, start, as soon as you start to look over that fence, you get punched in the face. And I think there's that riding on it. Also, I think the crowd. I think if the Packers get punched in the face and then get by get beat by Kansas City and lose uh, within another week or two, you know, maybe not the Monday night game against New York, but maybe they lose against like Carolina or something. You have one of those bad games. Then the remainder of the season, because now you're you know you're not making the postseason, other than just going to see Packer football, you're not doing anything else. I mean, people like to get juiced up about the hopes of postseason. Uh, I don't know if that affects. The secondary market, I don't know if that uh, affects the, the, you know, the amount of attendance, actual attendance in the stadium, which then affects parking, which then affects sales, which then affects marketing, which, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I, 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 there's a lot riding, I think, on Sunday night. I think a lot of us just want to see this team be competitive, make it an exciting game, make it a four-quarter game. I think that's what a lot of people are just kind of hoping for coming up on Sunday. I know I do. I know that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, plus I'll be honest. Uh, we talked about this professionally, personally, you, you, you know, we're obviously Packers fans, you know, Grant, you grew up in the state of Wisconsin. So you're a Packers fan, right? That's what you grew up as. Correct. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're Packers fans first, but professionally speaking, we want them to remain relevant and, and with hope all the way to the end of the season that makes for what our job is relevant as well in a lot of different facets. So there's a lot of different avenues that are riding on anticipation and execution of Sunday night. Wholeheartedly agree it. Uh, no, Mark, I'm not talking Taylor Swift. I'm not, not doing it. He wanted to know if, uh, if Taylor Swift is in attendance because the record for the chiefs is better with Taylor Swift in attendance than not. Uh, I, I look, I'm as superstitious as anybody. I really am. I, I, some things I don't believe in, but when it comes to sports, there are certain things that if it's working, you don't mess with it, you know? Going back to the old Bull Durham, you know, dialogue with Kevin Costner saying when you're on a streak, you don't F with the streak until it's done. You just don't. 
So, hey, when Kansas City has her in the building, they play extremely well. They seem to have everything rolling okay. I don't know if she's going to be there. I don't know if she's not going to be there, but I'm not going to put any stock into it either way. Don't care. Don't care. Our guy Ben Tajnai, by the way, who is uh, sings so often the national anthem for the Milwaukee Bucks, he is singing the national anthem at Lambeau Field on Sunday, who sang the national anthem, by the way, for our motorcycle ride, which was fantastic. Uh, but he uh, even posted that he is hoping to and looking forward to, if he does, get a chance to meet uh, Miss Swift. He is a Swifty, I guess. So he's also looking forward to that. 877-867-1670, Also, a side note today, and I know we talked about a lot about this a while back, but the PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan today is scheduled to meet up with Yasser Al-Ramayan who is the governor of Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, uh, they are supposed to reach the deal with another investor before the end of the year to get all of this, all the details of the PGA and the live tournament and the, the tours and the com- combination thereof. They're supposed to get this deal done. It's still not completely done. So that's something that, you know, I know the world of golf is a way off right now, but it's a headline today because you would assumed that this whole thing would have been done, T's crossed, I's dotted, money exchanged, the whole deal, and it's still not done. It's still not done. They're supposed to be doing uh, some kind of a meeting in New York, uh, I guess. I think that's where they're supposed to be doing this uh, and getting this whole thing done, but that's not done yet either. So just thought I'd throw that out there. And that, that's, a, that's a reference back to the Ben Kenny days when Ben used to be all golf all the time. So there you have it. 877-867-1670, If you want to find us, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. Again, 877-867-1670. Um, Dwayne says, by the way, uh, and you'll hear this when Jordan Love, uh, we have Jordan Love's presser coming up here in a little bit, uh, but he said <laughs> that he is not a Taylor Swift listener. I wonder if I, – I, I, can't imagine because the the next comment from uh, Jason is if that's going to fire up Taylor Swift to make her come to the game or not and root against the Green Bay Packers. I, I do you think that Taylor Swift is listening to the press conference and the comments of Jordan Love saying he doesn't really listen to Taylor Swift that that is firing her up to the point to come to Green Bay. I mean, if I'm Taylor Swift, there's one of two things I want to do. I want to go to Green Bay and I want to be at Lambeau Field. I'm either going to be there as a fan. Or I'm bringing my tour to Lambeau Field. Yeah, I mean, if she wanted to, <laughs> if Taylor Swift wanted to see Lambeau Field in all its glory, she could probably see it from the inside out and just say, you know what, book a, book a show there. And they could sell out, you know, 75, 80,000 people at Lambeau Field. Come on. I don't think if, if Jordan Love is or isn't a Swift fan, <laughs> she's getting fired up. That she's getting fired up to come and cheer against him at Lambeau Field. Uh, that's that's good. <laughs> if Taylor Swift actually ends up being here this Sunday, the only thing I want is an awkward picture of Mark Murphy and Taylor Swift being posted on all the Packers' social media channels. That will be that picture of the two of them will be so awkward <laughs> and so funny. That's all I want to come out of it. If if she comes, uh, it's um, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm trying to think because I get there so early. Mike Clemens might, but I, I get there so early. Nine times out of ten, I ride up in the elevators and such by myself. I, there's, you know, even the, even the attendants aren't there yet. When I, that's what, usually when I'm shooting those videos behind the scenes. But if, 
you know, you go down to the field or something ahead of time and then come back, well, then, you know, who knows? You may ride up with the entourage that is. Because there's only really one or two ways to get to those suites from down by the field. As a matter of fact, there's only one way, unless they would take her up through the actual stadium and through the concourse, which they're not going to do. The only way to get up there is probably to bring her, the, like, like the, the general managers, presidents, uh, former players, all that stuff, they come up the back way, and I would assume that's the way, that's the way we go up, and I would assume that's the way you would get up there. But, no, I really – I'm not going to stalk the elevators to see if I can ride up the elevator with Taylor Swift. That's not going to happen, just, just an FYI. And here's the other question. Where do you think – and, again, and then this is the uh, portion of our Taylor Swift show – but where do you think she would be? She would probably be if there is a visiting suite. She would probably be in a visitor's. I, I just don't know what suites are available. I know there's the owner's suites for both the, uh, the Packers and their opponents. But I don't know that they keep suites available for, you know, on the weekly for purchase to put people in suites. So I don't know. I don't know what they would do. I'm sure they'd accommodate, absolutely, but I, I don't know what they would do. I would love to see her sitting uh, out in the 700 section in the end zone, you know, right in front of the glass where everybody's standing up behind her, her and Mrs. Kelsey and the Brittany and all that stuff. You know, you'd love to see that going, ah, welcome to Lambeau Field. It's not even going to be cold. You know, that's the other thing. It's not even going to be a cold game. Maybe a little bit of rain or maybe a little bit of weather on Sunday, but it's not even going to be a really cold game. It's not going to be nasty. At least not uh, that. At least not what that. That's what the uh, weather forecast is. So, anyway, top row of the club seats. That's what Rick says. Getting back to Green Bay Packer football, the bandwagon's starting to get heavy. We'll talk about it when we come back. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up, and it's coming up right after this. Stay tuned. See where you're at. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael Show continues on 877-867-1670 877-867-1670 you want to find us please feel free to go ahead and do so uh we'd love to chat with you and uh, get you uh get your thoughts as the Green Bay Packers bandwagon continues to grow um when you start to talk about quarterbacks around the National Football League um oh, oh by the way speaking of this did you see that um Von Miller uh, an arrest warrant has been issued for him for domestic violence. So the Bills' problems continue to get worse and worse, facing a domestic violence charge in uh, in Dallas. As WFAA reported that uh, his longtime girlfriend accused him of assaulting her at their home in Dallas on Wednesday morning. And so now they have – oh, by the way, she's pregnant. The warrant was a uh, charge of assaulting a pregnant person. Can you can you say a pregnant woman? I mean, I think that's the only person that can get pregnant, but check me if I'm wrong. But assaulting a pregnant person, uh, which is a third-degree felony. So Von Miller, 
being charged and the arrest warrant has been has been uh, sent out. So there you go. Um, this was from uh, this is from Chris. Chris says, uh, "Hey guys, I think the bandwagon is is going to grow until Sunday night if the Chiefs come in and just stomp the Green Bay Packers. Then I think people are going to go back to realizing that this team is not ready to run. They're only going to walk as far as their quarterback will take them." Do you think that Jordan Love has to have a perfect game, or is this a revenge game for him? Uh, and that is from Chris. Chris listening to us in um, Eau Claire. Chris, I don't think it's um, – he doesn't have to have a perfect game. Let me say that. He doesn't have – I just want to see him play very similarly to the way he played in Detroit. I think that's fair. But what I do think has to happen is it has to be a complimentary game like we've talked about all the season long, where the offense has to do its part, the defense has to play well, and they got to keep it close. But I think if the Packers are going to win this game, it's probably a minimum of two turnovers they're going to have to get. And then they're going to have to capitalize. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I can talk about it all we want, but Thomas says, what about uh, what's the over and under on uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling's uh, drops, one or two or none? Mm, let's say one. Let's say one. Um, Joe says, not buying it. You're sounding like a closet Swifty bill. No, I'm really not. Have you, I'm really not. Have you ever been accused of that before? <laughs> Never. You know, what's it's funny is we were, we were driving around. Now, when you're not in your own car, we were driving around, uh, Rhode Island and into Boston, uh, this past weekend and had the radio on. And now you're listening to regular AM and FM stations and such. So I was listening to. Uh, we were listening to a top 40 station and there was a couple of songs. Now, now Kristen knows them more than I do, but there was a couple of songs that she knows and she liked that we heard from Taylor Swift. And there was a couple that I'm like, this is just bad. Is this like, I thought it was like an amateur. This is bad music and bad vocals. And, and it was Taylor Swift. It, it's this, it like, uh, what was the other one that I heard that was awful? Uh, Billie Eilish. Oh my God. This, this whispering song, I don't know what the hell that was, but it wasn't even music. It was just like you, you could just see somebody sitting there with a glass of wine and a bottle of pills ready to take their own life. It was so depressing. It was like, oh, my God. It was terrible. So some Swifty stuff, okay, I've heard it. I like it. But some stuff, no, nah, no, not so much. So I'm not one of those people that go, oh, my God. No, not at all. Uh, 877-867-1670, who covers Travis Kelsey? Boy, that's a great question. Who covers Travis Kelsey? I don't know if you do it via zone. Because what you would think you would do is have Quay Walker as the spy on Patrick Mahomes. Unless you want to go with another defensive back. But if Quay Walker's not on Patrick Mahomes, you would probably put Quay Walker, who has good speed, on Travis Kelsey. Because Travis Kelsey, he will eat up any defensive back the Packers have. So you'd have to put a fast linebacker on him, and the only fast linebacker that you have is then, obviously, uh, Quay Walker. So I, I that would be the direction I would go. But... That then leaves no spy to cover Patrick Mahomes if he decides to scramble out of the backfield. 
And, and, and that's a great question because how is the – here we go. Here we go. So the play calling of Andy Reid and company then matches wits with, package-wise, Joe Barry. Have we ever heard uh, – because it's all been about Spagnolo in the defense and what they're going to do against Jordan Love and how they're going to put zero blitz and pressure and all that kind of stuff. They're not running as much this year as they have in the past, but what are they going to do to Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur, and his offense to disrupt it, right? Nobody has talked about the mental makeup, the play-calling capability, and the matchup that is of Andy Reid calling the plays and Joe Barry. And I say that laughingly because when I say it, it almost sounds funny. It almost sounds like I should laugh. But that is going to be an interesting chess match because Travis Kelsey is such a beast. He just is. Right? Just such a beast. Um, Pete says you can't let Kelsey have a free release off the line. That's the death sentence. That's why I said you might almost have to do it not necessarily with a free release. You're gonna, you're not going to man up. You're not going to do that. But you're you're going to play a zone where you have to at least bracket coverage the guy. I mean, let's be honest. Who else? They can run the football. They've got they got a decent run game. So who else on this team is going to put the fear of God in you? You know what I mean? Is it Marquez? Marquez Valdez Scaling has has good hops. I mean, the guy can run. But who else is really going to put the fear of God in you when it comes to pass catching capability? Who else is the guy? They, um, it's not Marquez Valdez Scaling who's got good speed, but he's not this huge big time pass catcher. But you know, then again, he's coming back to Green Bay. Maybe he's got extra motivation. There's Justin Watson. Sky Moore. Uh, they don't have Kadarius Tony. He's out. He's banged up. Rasheed Rice, the the rookie. So who else really scares you? And it's in the guy that that guy's Travis Kelsey. That's it. I like the idea of not letting Kelsey get a free release. Kelsey has looked a little. He's still great. I'm not saying he's not great anymore, but this year he does look a little bit older. He's dealing with some nagging injuries, so make him feel it. Right, bang him around at the line and make him push through that contact. And if he beats you, great. But don't make it easy. Don't let him run around without feeling it, without feeling like he's getting knocked around and, and contested and fought against. I, if you have, who would you match him up then with? Then, if it's not Quay Walker, who would you match him up with? It's probably some sort of committee. Look, Quay Walker made a really nice play guarding Sam Laporta in the end zone right. on on basically the fourth down play that was the game last week. Right now, he can't do that every play, but I think Quay Walker has to be a big part of it, don't you? I, I think he does, but my point is, is if you're going to have a spy on on Patrick Mahomes, because you you have to. Patrick Mahomes does – because I don't think if Patrick Mahomes is capable of scrambling, if he gets outside, if he breaks contain, which is you may not see the same pressure on him with Rashawn Gary and, and Preston Smith because I think the, the mandate going into this game is get upfield, Put him in an uncomfortable pocket, but don't let him get outside of the pocket. You cannot go full bore and break contain because if he gets outside, he's going to run forever. He's going to chew you up. And then when he does get near the line of scrimmage and you start to commit to him, he dishes the ball off underhanded, shovel pass, whatever it happens to be, and he beats you that way. You can't. I don't think you can allow that because he's, Patrick Mahomes is at his best when he's improv. 
because that's what he excels at. He's got so much ability in so many different ways. So I think somebody has to spy him, don't you think? Yeah, I like the idea of keeping him in the pocket. Like, rush him, yeah. make him feel you, but don't don't give him a lane. Like, if you can hold him in the pocket, you cross your fingers and you hope that Justin Watson and Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice can't get open. And, and, right. and you just want Patrick Mahomes to sit back there and get frustrated that he can't find anyone. Right. I, I completely, I completely agree. So it's, yeah, it's uh, how they're going to scheme this, and what Joe Barry's going to do to both contain Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm, I'm really anticipating. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's, again, I, I, you know, from where we sit, I can't wait to put the binoculars on them and just kind of watch and see what it is they're doing. Uh, because I'm kind of I'm kind of interested because Quay Walker is your speediest linebacker. That's the guy. Now you don't really have like Darnell Savage to play a big safety. You don't have big safeties that are that are capable of going up against the Travis Kelsey. So it almost has to be Quay Walker because they have about that same speed. Uh, let's do this. Dave Kane is going to give us a shout. We'll talk with him a little. Bucks basketball got that goofy in season tournament. We'll get into that. Bucks, uh, you know, getting a couple of wins. They're going to Chicago. Then they're coming back against Atlanta coming up on Saturday night. They're back down at the Fiserv Forum. We're going to get into that discussion when we return. Stay with us. This portion of the program brought to you by our good friends at Quick Trip. Quick Trip's got it all. They got the bread, the milk, the eggs, the butter, the bananas. Yes, they got the take-home meals. Fantastic. Pop it in the microwave. Good to go. Then they got things like the pothole pizzas that you can take home, put in your oven. Awesome. Awesome stuff. The fried chicken is second to none. The breakfast sandwiches. The breakfast waffle sandwich is stupid fantastic. That is, like, unbelievable when you go in there and get one of those things. But also, they can give you a lot of different deals where you get, uh, say, 15 cents, 25 cents, 50 cents off at the pump. You got, uh, you know, pickup service where you can order ahead. That I think even some of them are starting to do a little bit of delivery if you want to get a meal from them. So all kinds of good stuff going on at Quick Trip. And, oh, by the way, you could even win a, uh, a Chevy Colorado pickup truck. Compliments to them and the Green Bay Packers. Find out in-store details for that as well. That's our friends at Quick Trip. No reason not to. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Bill Michael show on his Thursday. It is the 30th, if you can believe it. The 30th. Oh, my goodness. The 30th of November. We effort into December tomorrow. Oh, my God. Where'd this year go? Holy mackerel. But it's a new season. We are now uh, deep. I don't want to say deep, but uh, we're more than a little way into uh, Bucks basketball. Dave Kane now joining us. On the hotline, uh, the uh, play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, Dave, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Good to be with you, Bill. Here, yeah, I guess de- depending on your vantage point, whether we're deep into the season or not is a relative term. I, I-, I suspect the Chicago folks feel like this season has been going on forever already. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The, uh, the in-season tournament, you tell me, has it helped the NBA? Yeah, I think so. I, I really do. Now, now keep in mind, I have a little bit of a biased perspective because for the Bucks, it's been a lot of fun games that they've been involved in. Of course, they're 4-0 and and about to be the one seed in the Eastern Conference moving into next week in that quarterfinal round. But 
I, I think it's been an outstanding addition. And, and I will tell you, I was a little bit skeptical at the beginning. I'm thinking, is this a money-making ploy by the NBA? Certainly, that was the driver of this thing. But but I, I got to tell you, it, you mentioned the season length, and this it's an 82-game season. And, you know, we sit here in November where some of the time, I, I will admit that there are times you feel like you're checking a box a little bit early in the season with some of these matchups. But I really think this has changed it. I think it's added a little bit more of a new narrative. And as a guy who tells stories for a living, it gives me another story to talk about. And and I, I think the players have bought in. I, I really do. The Bucks games have been more intense. And the more I hear from most teams and players and coaches, they seem to agree there are some outliers. Again, going back to Chicago, I don't think they've been a big fan of this thing so far. They're one of the few that hasn't necessarily liked it because they've been on the wrong end of some of these these games where it, th- this point differential is the tie break. And, and that's something everybody's still kind of coming to learn what this means. And you, know, you can make the case, is that is that in the best nature of, of uh, stewardship of the game in terms of uh, you know collegiality when you're trying to pour on more points on another team when you've already got them beat? But I, I think it adds an interesting wrinkle, and I just think it makes things more fun this time of the year, time of the season when everybody's talking about football, whether it's the college football playoff or the NFL, getting closer and closer to playoffs. It, it gives you more impetus to be talking about the NBA, which was uh, the number one goal coming into this thing from the league office when they instituted this thing. So throughout all of this, it's kind of forced teams to play their stars and it's, uh, you know, made them play more games and not do the quote load management thing throughout this early portion of the season. So I agree. All of that has been good. Is there a downside to this? Do you think? Hmm. Well, I guess I would say one of the things to me that jumps out first is, is what is the understanding for the fan of what's going on here? And really, even the teams at some level, again, being the first time through this thing, but I guess that was a natural byproduct of having never done this before. But, you know, I, I think, when, so for example, when Boston's playing Chicago, it did get a little muddled. This was two nights ago. The Celtics needed to, to win the point differential to, to win their group, to advance on to the quarterfinals next week. So that meant even though they were up big, they were leaving their starters in, and those guys were trying to continue to pour it on to the point where – you had Billy Donovan, Chicago's head coach, getting an explanation for Joe Mazzulla, the head coach for the Celtics, as to why he is continuing to attack at that point. And so, you know, I think that's one of the things that's a little bit a confusing to fans. And also, going back to that sportsmanship piece, too, I, I think that there's the tendency for people to say, oh, that, that's not in the spirit of the game. But I tell you this, when the rules are set such that that is part of the rules of the game, give me a break. Like, that's why you're doing this. I mean, you got to keep trying to add to the points. So I don't have a problem with it at all, but I think some have maybe made that claim that 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 would be an issue. Um, You know, beyond that, I really haven't seen anything that would lead me to say that this thing is, you know, a negative consequence of this to this point. Yeah, I I guess the only – the two negatives that could possibly come out of this is how much does it uh, fatigue players this early in the season to the point where at the end of the season when you're trying to really go for a championship, you're a little bit worn out and your legs are under you. But can you imagine losing, say, a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum or somebody while you're pouring it on, so to speak, uh, to an ankle sprain where they're out for six to eight weeks because of that when they're really trying to just get a point differential to play in the midseason tournament? You know what I mean? You know, I, I think from a fan's perspective, well, uh, uh, even from a player's perspective, I'll go later in the season. You, you get toward the playoffs. This is going to be a distant memory. I mean, you, you can have a freak injury just as easily in the first quarter as you can in the fourth when you're, you know, trying to – in those 
Well, and, and again, keep in mind, most of these games, that is not the case where you're really attacking hard late. I mean, I think you saw, you saw it a little bit in one of the Bucks games. They had a lopsided win against the Charlotte Hornets earlier this in, in their round-robin phase of this thing where they were trying to add to the points, and that ultimately is what got them the tie-break in, in all these situations to host a game next Tuesday um, in, in, the, in the quarterfinals. But I, I just don't think that – Look, these guys, you go back to Michael Jordan's time, they were playing hard all the time. I mean, that, that's just the way it was. It was before things had gotten more scientifically driven in terms of load management and all that. But I think that's what they're trying to rid themselves of. So I don't know. I, again, I'm not a sports science professional by any stretch of the imagination, but <laughs> I'll tell you in my uneducated opinion, I just don't see it having an, a major impact in moving the needle in terms now, of injuries uh, moving- or things of the such. Now, moving forward, how has this team gelled? How has this team kind of come together in your eyes? Early on in the season, I know there was a lot of questions about the ability to play defense and allowing teams to just kind of keep pace and such. But, you know, it's interesting that Adrian Griffin has basically left his door, his mind open, and the guys have said, hey, let's try this, or I don't want to do that, let's do this. Seems like he's been very much a guy that's acquiesced to some of the things that they would like to do, correct? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I think he uh, – the thing about Adrian Griffin that impresses me is that he's, he doesn't put his pride first. Let's just put it this way. There are a lot of personalities that are drawn to the role or I don't know whether it's the chicken or the egg, but there's a lot of pride that goes into head coaching <laughs> regardless of sport. And sometimes coaches have a hard time shifting and accepting when they don't know something. I don't think that's the case with – with, uh, you know, Adrian Griffin, I, I just think he's got the right perspective for a first-year head coach who realizes he's got stuff to learn and is willing to put his ego aside and, and learn some things along the way and, and, and change when he needs to. And, and I think we've seen that so far this year. But it is definitely a learning curve for him. And, and this is no easy feat for this team. I mean, I to your point, in terms of, like, gelling together, I, I, I think I think the last time I talked to you was right after that Philadelphia game. It was the first game of the season, one of the best games the Bucks have candidly played this year. And you thought, oh, these guys are going, it's good. It's, this is going to be clockwork. But, no, it's not. I mean, it, they have – and you can say, all right, the Boston Celtics, they added Drew Holiday late too, so they, they're in the same spot. Why are they able to go better? They had the same head coaching staff coming back. So for the Bucks, you've got a new coaching staff that adds Damian Lillard about a week before the preseason schedule starts, and they have to change everything they were planning to do at that point and figure this thing out. It's a lot to ask, and it's still going on. There is no question. You said early some concerns about the defense. Those concerns are going to be there all season because this team did lose something defensively, particularly on that perimeter, where they're going to have some challenges. But they don't need this defense to be – one of the best in the league anymore. I think if you are a mid-tier defense, you will take that and run because this offense can be that good where I don't think you need it to be one of the best, you know, an iron curtain of a defense. I I think if they can just be adequate, you're going to be in a really good position if you're the Bucs. Now, the trick is, is matching Giannis and Damian Lillard together. Those two are, are two guys that have been used to having the ball in their hands and, you know, high usage rates, um, on their teams. Uh, they still will, but and it's not as though they're not willing to, and, and they want to work together, but it's just a matter of changing some habits that takes time. And we're starting to see that, though. I, I think that this team is starting to find its its identity. I mean, you talk about the first quarter of the season, that question's been asked pretty regularly. Who is this Bucks team? And I think even internally. But I, w- one of the things that's starting to emerge to me is when you watch this group play, 
They aren't winning lopsided games, which is actually kind of fun from my perspective calling these games. They've been a lot of fun games, but but I, I think this team's never out of games because they the difference of having Damian Lillard on the court late in the game is unlike anything I've ever seen in 20-plus in years broadcasting games at, at numerous levels. I mean, his ability to have a stinker of a game for the first three quarters, but that final eight minutes rolls around, it is like clockwork. I mean, pardon the pun, when you talk about game time, I mean, that's that's his time to go, and it's just consistent throughout. I mean, he he's already scored 65 points in what the NBA constitutes is, constitutes his clutch time, which is a game that's within five points in the final five minutes. That is by far leading the league. And uh, to put it in a perspective, I think Chris Middleton led the team last year in those, and he had like, I think it was 80 points over the course of, you know, the last full season. I can't, I'm, I'm probably butchering the stat, but bottom line, it's an extraordinarily high number of points that he's been able to score in the last four consecutive games. He scored over double digits in the final six minutes of each of those games. I mean, it's just, it's wild. So that's been fun to watch. But the downside of that is I do think this team is taxing itself in a way they would prefer not to all season long. They do need to figure things out and get a couple easier wins where you can rest guys maybe in that fourth quarter. Cause I think that will take a toll over time. If it continues to be the case the whole season. That You know what, Dave? I don't even have to ask questions. I can just introduce you and let you go because every time I started to have a question in my head, you answered the question before I even asked the question, which was fantastic. That's my concern is that this team, by keeping a lot of close games, and it's great. It's exciting for the fans. We enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. But down the stretch, when you start facing nothing but good teams come postseason, we saw a lot of this last year where they get a big lead, they lose a big lead, and then they scrambled at the end of the season or the end of the game all throughout the season to kind of close out games. And they still won a lot, but when you got to the postseason, you couldn't always flip that switch. So I don't want to see wash, rinse, repeat going into the postseason this year. That's why I'm kind of hoping to see a little bit more of, hey, we got the heel on the throat of the opponent. Let's kind of grind one out and really start drubbing a few of these teams. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that there's definitely merit to the idea. You don't want to have to expend that energy. I'll say this, though. When it comes to closing teams out, I just think it's a different ball game with Lillard. I, I just think Dame brings a completely different element than the Bucks franchise has ever had before. And, and it's it really is unique. But, um, yeah, I, I think when it comes to taxing your players and that type of thing, Although I will say this too, uh, I think when you're trying to form a culture for a new group of players, you've got six new faces on this team in addition to the coaching staff. Um, I think being through some of these battles and experiencing success does a lot to galvanize a locker room and bring a locker room together and, and form an identity. I don't know. I, I think it's worth the cost of expelling maybe excess energy, particularly early in the season. Again, I don't necessarily want to see this go on all year. But I think in the here and now, if I had to script it, I think I might want this to be the layout for a team that's trying to come together. Dave, always a pleasure to talk to you. I know you got to get going, but uh, we appreciate the short notice and coming on the program, talk a little Bucks basketball, and, and probably see you on Saturday night down at the Fiserv too, okay? Oh, awesome. We'll come say hello if, we, if you get on there. Yeah, I look forward to it. A- absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. So he drops off. You get on board. Some good Bucks chatter. Good stuff on his way down to Chicago. Bucks taking on the Bulls and then coming back home Saturday night. Down at the Fiserv Forum. We're looking forward to that. 877 867 1670. 877 867 
1670. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Pottawatomie Hotel Casino. Everything under one roof, whether it's the Rock and Brews, good Dream Dance Steakhouse, whether you're going down there for a little bit of gaming, some slots, a little relaxation, 360 bar, or you just want to kind of overlook the city of Milwaukee. You go up to the top floor, you get uh, one of the uh, one of the hotel rooms, you just go back, rest, relax. It's all under one roof right there, Pottawatomie Hotel Casino and they have the big New Year's Eve party coming up as well. For all the information, go to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in-home consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 2023. Uh, it is the season, shall I say, if you're going to start thinking about wedding rings, engagement rings, upgrades, anniversary bands, or just gift ideas. And one of the great places to go if you're thinking jewelry of any type, that is Kane and Kane Jewelers, K-O-E-H-N, Kane and Kane Jewelers in West Bend. It is, it is worth the drive, whether you're coming from Grafton, Milwaukee, Kewaskum, you're going from Waukesha. If you're going from Johnson Creek, uh, from wherever in that area, or just anywhere in the state, if you're looking for a terrific, uh, I don't want to say deal, but if you're looking for ter- terrific quality for the price, that's Kane & Kane Jewelers. As they say, they want to rock your world. Rock your world. And uh, located in West Bend, go to Kane, K-O-E-H-N, KaneJewelry.com. At the bottom of the page, there's a podcast called Buy Like a Guy, Andy Kane. Uh, he talks specifically a lot of dude stuff. And also uh, kind of teaches you the ins and outs of uh, buying diamonds and jewelry and all that kind of stuff. Because we do it all, you know, we always do it at some point or another. So uh, that's Kane and Kane Jewelers uh, up in West Bend. Here's something to think about. Uh, Jordan Love has thrown for 1,107 yards, eight touchdowns, two picks, and completed over 65% of his passes in the team's last four games. He's posted top three passing yards Totals, by the way, in the last three weeks specifically, the Packers have won three of those four games to move themselves back into the playoff conversation. Those are real numbers, man. Now, again, it's got to be sustainable. You can't have a three-, four-, five-week period and all of a sudden say, oh, my God, this is, this is incredible. But the trend, that'll make you a believer. If he does that, 
continuously for a majority of a season, then I'm a believer. Then I'm a believer. And you know me, I've been one of the harder, you know, critics or more eye-opening critics towards that, towards Jordan Love, the you know, the the, the draft choice and everything from the very beginning. But those kind of numbers, those are real. Now you look at the teams that he's done it against, and you can say, well, you know, it hasn't been great because they won three out of four of those games. But Pittsburgh, they lost. They beat the Chargers, and the Chargers had a lot of their own errors. We all talk about that. But they beat soundly a really good def- – I shouldn't say really good – a good defensive team, a smash-mouth team that wins in the trenches against the Detroit Lions. And they were able to move the ball and look more impressive against Pittsburgh, which also has a pretty good team in the trenches. They're not a great defense, but pretty good in the trenches at putting pressure on a quarterback. Now, that's why this week, when you look at those numbers and you think 65% completion, now that's what I wanted to see. That's what I wanted to see. So 65% over the last four weeks, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's, That's getting it done. That's getting it done. So... I'm really hard to convince, but I'm starting to swing into that direction. Now, do I think it's a Hall of Fame career in the making? No, of course not. But I still believe that something th- uh, two, three weeks ago, just in his sound and his demeanor and his confidence and his, in his comfort, something flicked. And when he was asked about yesterday, and you're going to hear this coming up, but when he was asked about it yesterday, he said that a lot of the guys just been learning from their mistakes learning from the good plays, the positive plays over the course of the, you know, this first portion of the season. And he said, guys now are feeling a lot more comfortable with one another in the system, and they understand their roles a lot better. And I know it sounds cliche, but sometimes you have to understand what it is you're supposed to do your role for you to get comfortable in just your role. Don't try to do too much. So we'll talk more about that. We're going to hear from Jordan Love and from Matt LaFleur coming up in the next hour. We're an hour away from some fantasy football questions as well. Got your questions in for the charge. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this.